Hello, and welcome to our podcast here at Discovery Point Church. Thank you for joining us today. We pray this message inspires you and is the beginning of a life-changing relationship with Jesus. Enjoy the message. I, I thought we'd do a little case study on faith. Hebrews 11:6 says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. Doesn't say it's hard, doesn't say it's difficult, doesn't say it's a 50-50 proposition, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. So if you have your Bibles with you in the room or if you're watching online, I encourage you to turn with me to uh, Numbers chapter 13. Also, we're going to be in the book of Joshua as well. Same theme, uh, but two different books, examining Caleb as a case study for faith. So I invite you, uh, let's take a moment, let's welcome God into this time that we hear from Him. Father, as we turn into Your Word, and Father, as we look at a a man who had incredible faith, we pray that we, we glean encouragement, insight. Father, that as we look at his life and we examine our life, in relationship to you, that you will strengthen our own faith. And Lord, we want to be people of faith and trust, and sometimes that's difficult. But Father, we're, we're asking you to give us greater faith. So Lord, we pray as we hear this conversation out of your word that the scripture says that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God, that the word of God strengthens our faith. And we give you all the glory. In the name of Jesus, we ask this. Amen and amen. Well, I hope you found Numbers chapter 13. Just brief context is that this is, uh, we see the Israelites, right? And they've left Egypt. They've crossed the Red Sea. And they're in an area called Kadesh Barnea. And and it's there we kind of pick up the story. So, That's the brief context. And in Numbers chapter 13, God has told Moses, hey, I want you to identify 12 guys, and and we're going to send them into the promised land, Canaan, and and they're going to do a recon mission. So in Numbers 13, we see those 12 men listed, and in verse 6 is where we see Caleb. So Numbers 13, 6, the scripture says, from the tribe of Judah, by the way, Revelation 5.5 says that Jesus is the lion of Judah. It's his tribe, Caleb. We're talking about the lineage here. And so the scripture says that from the tribe of Judah, Caleb, the son of Jephunneh. As I read that in context of 12 men, I thought about, I thought this sounds like like an NBA all-star game kind of thing, right? (laughs) This is cream of the crop, and it's almost would read something like this from the Israelites starting at guard. 6-1, 6-1, a five-time all-star selection, Caleb, son of Jephunneh from the tribe of Judah. These are the best of the best, right? So think of these 12 guys as, as, as almost, like, uh, like, almost like a SEAL team type of team. These are the cream of the crop, right? And so they are, they are told that they have a recon mission. And this recon mission is to go into the land that they've been hearing about for years that God has promised them. And so Caleb is one of those 
main guys that makes this trip. Now, this trip into the promised land, into Cana, is about these spies travel for 40 days. It's about a 300-mile round trip, right? So this is not a walk in the park. This is a difficult trip. And so they leave Kadesh Bardia, and they go north. Stuart, can you bring that slide up? Here you'll see that down in the bottom, they leave Kadesh. They're going to go north to Beth Rehob. It's about 150 miles approximately, and they're going to turn around, and they're going to come back. Recon mission, 40 days. So that's the mission. But what we begin to see is they bring back a report. So in Numbers chapter 13, beginning in verse 25, if you have your Bibles, read there with me. Scripture says that at the end of 40 days, they return from spying out the land. And they come to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. There is some debate about how many people were actually a part of the Israelite nation at that time. Some scholars say upwards of 3 million. Others say, no, it's probably along the lines of 1.5 million people that left Egypt. So it's a large number of people. They return back, and they're before the people, and they're going to give this report. So they brought back word to them and all the congregation, and they showed them the fruit of the land, right? They begin with the fruit. Let's begin with the good stuff. Look at verse 27. And the spies told him, hey, we came to the land which you sent us, and it flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. So they got the fruit to prove this land is all that. Notice verse 28. However, <laughs> the people who dwell there in the land, they're strong. Cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there, the Amalekites dwell in the land of the Negev, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, the Termites. They all dwell in the hill country. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea. I just wanted to see if you're dialed in here, right? You're like, I don't see termites. We can throw them in. So they all dwell by the sea along the Jordan, right? So they bring the fruit. Like, this place is everything and more. It has fruit. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. However, right? However, there's some other things going on we want you to be aware of. And then they begin to list those things. Now, as they're doing that, imagine they're presenting the report. Notice what happens in verse 30. But Caleb, he quieted the people before Moses. So when they hear the report, the people begin this mummering, right? Like, wait a minute, I see the fruit, but we're talking about giants? Talking about fortified cities? We're talking about big, yeah. And, and, and Caleb's like, he, he quiets the crowd. Shh, shh, let, let me speak. So Caleb says this, uh, let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. So there's Caleb, right? You have the, the, the mission. There's the report. Caleb gets up. Now, when the spies gives the report, there's a little bit of people are beginning to mumber a little bit like, yeah, I don't know, man. I've heard about those folks, right? Heard about that. Caleb's like, no, no, wait, 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 wait. No, we can do this. Let's go get this done. Now, following that in chapter 14, verses 1 through 4, we see a, a, a rebellion of the people. They begin to rise up, man. It's as if Caleb didn't say a word. Now notice in verse 4 of chapter 14, it gets so crazy that the people are like, hey, let's select a new leader and let's hightail it back to Egypt. What? Wait, wait a minute. We, we just left Egypt. We left slavery. We left indentured servanthood. 
We left the shame of our heritage. We left that, but things are looking so bleak for the future, they're mumbling, let's get a new leader and let's head back to Egypt. It is in that context that we see Caleb's faith rising up. What is his response to this? Just three things I want to point out uh, from the passage. Number one is that Caleb had what I would call a perceptive faith, a perceptive faith. So, for example, in chapter 14, I'm going to read verses 5 through 9. After the rebellion, let's go back to Egypt conversation. Notice what happens in verse 5. Then Moses and Aaron, they fell on their faces before the assembly of the congregation of the people of Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among them, who had spied out the land, they tore their clothes. Like they are ripping their clothes off. They cannot believe that what is in front of them, the future that God has promised, and rebellion has set in, an uprising has set in. So they tear their clothes off. And then they say this to the people of Israel. The land which we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. Look at verse 8. If the Lord delights in us, he's going to bring us into this land. He's going to give it to us. Man, this land flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord. No, no, no. Do not fear the people of the land, for they are bread for us. Their protection is removed from them. And the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. That was the speech, right? They're trying to rally the people around the future that God has for them. And it it, it did not go well. But Caleb, I want you to know something about Caleb's faith. It was very perceptive. In other words, when the spies gave their report, they did not mention the Lord. Caleb and Joshua mentioned the Lord three times in their response to the bad report. So Caleb has this perceptive faith. So if you notice, he says here that that the Lord is with us. They, They had the same report. He's not denying the report. Caleb doesn't say there are no giants. He doesn't say that there are no fortified cities. No, no, no. They agreed on the report. Where they disagreed was on God's relationship with them. The perception that Caleb had is that God is with us. He did not deny the report. No, no, no. What he did is he assessed the situation with a perception of faith in his God. It was perception. And then out of that perceived faith, Caleb believed that God would be with them. What a powerful idea. Let me ask you. What if you and I perceived and and really believed that God was with us? That that He was working all things out for our good and His glory, according to Romans 8, 28 and 29. So think about something in in your life right now. Think about something. Maybe an issue with work, a, a relationship with your family, maybe a health problem. And what if you looked at that as Caleb looked at his situation and you perceived and then you believed that God was with you? How would that change your perception of that? How would it change your attitude? How would it change what you say about that situation? If you and I believed what Caleb believed, he says right there at the very end, he says, oh, and by the way, the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. 
He had this amazing, perceptive faith. Second thing I want to point out in Caleb's life is found in Numbers 14, 24, and then we're going to jump to Joshua chapter 14. But in, in Numbers 14, 24, it, God is in a conversation with the people, right? It, it's a conversation of judgment because they, they refuse to believe. Now, in the midst of that conversation in verse 24, really one of the most uh, incredible scriptures in all of the Bible. And God says this about Caleb. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit and has followed me fully, I will bring him into the land which he went, and his descendants shall possess it. So I, I read that, and I like, okay, I'm just going to insert my name. <laughs> but my servant, Greg, or, or in, insert your name. Like say, okay, what if God spoke about you right now? My servant, Caleb, two things. He has a different spirit. In other words, he's not mumbling. He's not grumbling. He's not complaining. That's how he had a different spirit. Then he followed me fully. So I inserted my name in that and thought, okay, what would God say about me right now? What would he say? Say, my servant Greg, he needs to change his attitude, right? I mean, whatever, he, he needs this or he should do that. But man, what, what, a, what a resume. What, if, what would God say about you? I want us to turn to the book of Joshua chapter 14. We're going to pick up the story. What we have in Joshua 14 now is now they're actually moving into the, the promised land. About approximately 40 years have passed, all right? Let's move into Joshua chapter 14. I'm going to begin reading in verses 6 through 9. So then the people of Judah came to Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite. The, the now, the Kenizzites, it's an interesting thing here in the passage. Some scholars believe that this is reference to a group of people that were non-Israelites, that got absorbed into the Israelite nation. In other words, some believe that Caleb might have been a Gentile. Might have been a Gentile, based upon this. Not all scholars believe that. There's other ways to look at that, but that's one angle of the Kenizzite peoples, that they were a group that got absorbed into the nation. We, we see them mentioned, I believe it's Genesis chapter 15, they're mentioned there. Uh, they may have been absorbed. If so, then, then Caleb would have been a part of that. So, He's in a conversation, Caleb and Joshua, and, and so Caleb says to Joshua, you, you know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, in Kadesh Barnea concerning you and me? Moses is like, you mean like 40 years ago, buddy? He's like, yeah. You remember that? It's been in his spirit for some 40 years. Isn't that amazing? He's had something in his spirit for that long. He's like, hey, do you remember the conversation 40 years ago? Come on, folks. I can't remember a conversation I had 10 minutes ago, Right? This has been in Caleb's spirit. Look at what he says. He says, you know what Moses, the man of God, he, he, he said to us, look at verse 7. He says, I was 40 years old, man, when the Moses, the servant of the Lord, he sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in my heart. But my brothers who went up with me, look at what he says. They made the heart of the people melt. Yet I wholly followed the Lord my God. And, and Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land on which your foot has trodden shall be an inheritance for you and your children forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord your God. 
Caleb's name means wholehearted. Wholehearted. Caleb is passionate. He's all in, and he goes all out. His name, referenced four times in these passages, means wholehearted, passionate faith. Now, passionate faith. Whoa, 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 whoa. I don't mean passionate faith, uh, kind of a shallow emotional, right? That's not what I mean. I don't mean at the Cardinals game, you show up in, in a little something, something like, like this, right? Now, this could be some people from Discovery Point. I have a hunch it is, and I think I know who it is. They may be in the back of the room tonight. But we're like, oh, that's a passionate fan. No, 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 no. Those aren't passionate fans. This is, it's called a fan because it's called a fanatic. Right? That's a fanatic. It's fun. It's lighthearted. It's cool. That's not passion, according to the Scriptures. According to the Scriptures, Jesus going to the cross is passion. That's why it's called the passion of Christ. Passion means suffering. So when I, I mention passion, am I talking about a man who, who has a shallow emotion of excitement in the moment? Probably to some degree, I think Caleb is that guy. But he goes deeper than that. Passion is being willing to suffer and to serve for the redemptive purposes of God. Passion is laying down our lives for the sake of the gospel. Passion is saying no to self that others may have the opportunity to say yes to Jesus. This is biblical passion, and Caleb had this passion. Passion is a powerful apologetic in the life of a believer. It's a powerful apologetic of what God is doing in and what He's doing through us. It's this, it carries with it this weight and this meaning. Passion makes Jesus visible to others as the church. Where's the passion? Where's the passion? Where's the serving? Where's the suffering? Where's the, the, the work that we need to put in to, to, to come across in that at apostolic, apologetic tenor to say, those people believe in the God they're trying to tell me about. Bonhoeffer said it this way. He said, your life as a Christian should make non-believers question their disbelief in God. Think about that. Our lives as Christians should make non-believers question their disbelief in God. Uh, that's Caleb. I mean, passionate, right? Passionate. He, he had a perceptive faith. He had a passionate faith. And last of all, it's very clear, he, he had a persevering faith. Look with me. Let's read Joshua 14, 10 to 14. Let's keep reading. And now, Caleb's continuing this speech. He could give a pretty good speech, couldn't he? <laughs> and now... For furthermore, behold, the Lord has kept me alive. Now just think about that in your own life. The Lord has kept us alive. Amen? <laughs> the Lord, look, look at that perspective, right? This persevere, he has this persevering faith. The Lord has kept me alive. Just as he said, these 45 years since the time the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel walked in the wilderness... And now, behold, I am this day 85 years old. Say that with me. 85 years old. Now, I think there's at least one of us in the house, 85. At least one, right? 
maybe a little further than 85, right? Maybe closer to 96, 97. Yesterday was your birthday. Oh, well, happy birthday. My goodness, 97. Congratulations. Caleb's 85 years old. He's persevering. He's still bringing. Look what he says. I'm 85. I'm 85 years old. Notice what he says. And I'm still as strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me. My strength now is the strength as it was then for war and going out and coming in. So now give me the hill country of which the Lord spoke about on that day. For you heard on that day how the Anakim were there and the great fortified cities. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall drive them out just as the Lord said. Let me stop. He's 85. He's been promised land, but he's got to go fight for it. Isn't that crazy? It's your land, but you got to go fight for it. Look what happens in verse 13. Then Joshua blessed him, and he gave him Hebron to Caleb, Caleb the son of Jephunneh, for an inheritance. Therefore Hebron became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenzanite, to this day. Notice why. Because he wholly followed the Lord, the God of Israel. A persevering faith. My goodness. You know, a lot of things fade with age. Yeah? Hairlines, waistlines, memories, tattoos, although I don't have a tattoo. I've seen some that's faded. Things fade with age. Not Caleb's faith. Not Caleb's faith. Caleb and Joshua spent approximately 40 years in the wilderness after the exploration of the land. And guess what? They're the ones that obeyed God. It doesn't make sense to me, right? I thought we thought when we obey God, things get better. Things go well. Everything great happens in our life. Evidently not according to this story. Maybe you feel that. Maybe you're like, hey, I've obeyed God. I've been faithful Yet you feel stuck in a wilderness. It happens, doesn't it? Seems the more we want to serve God, we get on fire for God, we, 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 we obey God, we are in the Word, we're praying, we're sharing our faith. And, and the more that we lean in in obedience, it feels like the further that we go and we find ourselves stuck in a wilderness. Folks, these guys wandered in a wilderness approximately 40 years after the report that the spies brought back, and they were the two obedient ones. Listen, they're in the wilderness, not because they didn't obey. Listen, it's because others around them didn't obey. And that really stinks, right? (laughs) When you feel like you're in the wilderness, you say, you know what, I haven't been faithful. I haven't been following God. It's even worse when you're following God and you're faithful in things spiritually and someone in your life is disobedient, and you reap the reward of that, of walking in a spiritual wilderness. That really stinks, doesn't it? Say yes. Yeah, that really stinks. You get it when you don't obey, but when you, when you do what's right by God, and somebody in your world doesn't, and you reap the benefits of walking in a wilderness for a season of life, you're like, man, what do I do? What do I do? And maybe you're there tonight, right? Maybe you're there this weekend. Here's what I encourage you to do. To have a perceptive faith. See what God's doing in it. See what God's doing in it. Uh, To have a passionate faith. To say, you know what? I'm all in. I don't understand it. I'm not crazy about the wilderness, but I'm not going back to Egypt. 
I'm not going back to the shame, to the, to the indentured slavery. I'm free from that. I'm not going back. And quite frankly, folks, that's what a lot of people have the tendency to do. When it doesn't go well, when they try Jesus and it doesn't work out as they think, they often go back to Egypt. These guys, they just persevered. Man, the wilderness didn't wear Caleb down. It should have. It just did not wear him down. In fact, his time in the wilderness, those approximately 40 years, didn't diminish his faith. It's like it, it fueled his faith, right? It, it didn't weaken his faith. He waited 45 years for that promise. 45 years for that promise. Oh, by the way, Hebron has been a rich place of history in the life of the people of God. From Abraham to Caleb to David, it's been, an, it's been prime real estate in the economy of God for years. Man, what do you do? I, I wanted to talk about great faith this weekend, but I'm like, no, 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 no. Jesus says great faith is, is mustard seed faith. That's great faith. I want to talk about a case study of Caleb. What's the faith look like? Perceptive, to believe that God is in it. To be passionate, that means to me, I'm all in. I, I, I'm willing to, to lay down my life to serve and suffer for the gospel to go forth. And, and, and then I'm, I'm willing to persevere. I am willing to persevere. Adoniram Judson and his wife were considered the first couple to kind of be commissioned globally in an international context as missionaries. Considered the first, if not... Uh, early on. Adoniram Judson and his wife arrived in Burma and for the first 12 years, not one convert. <laughs> not one. It got so bad that the sending agency in the United States wrote him a letter. Said, do uh, you think you should come home? Doesn't sound like it's going too well. And then in the same letter, they asked this question. They're like, hey, what, what's, the, what's the future look like for Burma. What's the prospects of the future for Burma? Judson wrote back and said this, the future is as bright as the promises of God. Judson spent approximately an additional 28 years in Burma, a grueling, a grueling additional 28 years. He served there for about 40 years. Eventually, he led hundreds and hundreds of Burmese and people from the Karen tribe to faith in Jesus Christ. He, he translated the scripture into multiple languages that the people could read and engage in Burma. Produced spiritual literature that helped equip and edify those that had come to faith in Christ. As I think about Caleb, I, I, I think about legacy. I, I, we're having a conversation about him. Oh, by the way, how many of you know somebody by the name of Joshua or Caleb? You, you know somebody by that name? Yeah. Sharon's brother and her sister-in-law have two boys. I'll give you one guess what their names are. Joshua and Caleb. Well, we all know somebody by that name, right? Let me ask you another question. How many of you know somebody by the name of the other ten spies? Huh? Let me ask you a little deeper question. How many of you can name the other ten spies right off the top of your head? Five? One? I can't. Why are we talking about Joshua 
and Caleb. Because their faith left us something, not just to learn from, but to lay hold of. To lay hold of. To perceive that God is working. To be full on, wholehearted in the work. And then just to persevere when things get challenging and things get difficult. Just a, a few weeks ago at our, I think at last elders meeting, we we begin our time with a devotion and just some spiritual conversation. And a part of the last meeting, as, as one of the elders was leading the devotion, I, I just thought about this phrase and kind of see this played out in my dad's life. And the phrase was, God doesn't respond to needs, he responds to faith. I, and I thought about that, and it kind of came up at the meeting. And then this week, a buddy of mine texted me, sent me a text, and, and he's the longest texter I know in my life. I'm, I mean, I'm not sure how he does this, right? I, if I had my phone, I would show you, but we have to be out of here shortly, right? It's a long text. The text began, he's, he's telling me something, but it was rule number 10. I'm not even sure what, what he's talking about. Rule number 10 says this, God doesn't respond to our needs. He responds to our faith. That's what I see in the life of Caleb. And I see that in our lives as well, right? God responds to faith. I challenge you. Here's my challenge, a couple things. First of all, I want you to think about if our lives as a Christian, if we live with the right faith, those who are non-believers, may they question their disbelief in God. Think about that. Let me say it this way. May the people in our lives who know us but don't know Jesus come to know Jesus because they know us. Same idea. Second of all, here's my challenge. Who could you share your faith with this week? I mean, just a verbal witness. Say something like this to somebody. Hey, just want you to know God loves you. Or, I just want you to know I'm praying for you. Think about if we all did that, right? If we just said a simple witness. Say, hey, just want you to know, man, God loves you. I just want you to know I'm going to pray for you. And, and, and just, just a simple witness. Just pray, care, and share. Caleb wasn't afraid to stand up in front of a vast amount of people with a deep conviction and say, hey, man, our God is able, able to do what he's promised he will do. Let me pray with you, and we're going to close. Father, we thank you for our time together. I pray, as we took a brief look at the life of Caleb, Lord, I, so many things we could draw up, but, but we see he, he had some, some, this perceptive faith. Like, the other ten spies never mentioned the Lord. Caleb's was answered. His answer his, it was anchored to the Lord. He's like, the Lord is with us, guys. The Lord is with us. And so I, I pray tonight that the situations we are up against, that we will not only perceive that you are with us by the Spirit, but we will believe you are with us. Even when the enemy tells us that we're alone and it's not worth it, that we know you are with us, Father. 
We know you're with us. And Lord, give us, give us a desire to be passionate followers. I'm not speaking about shallow emotion. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a deep commitment. A deep commitment where we are willing to serve and to suffer that the gospel will go forth where we're willing to say no to self that others might have the opportunity to say yes to Jesus. And oh God, give your church a persevering faith. Don't let us waver. Don't let us wane. Don't let us quit. But Father, give us a persevering faith as those who have gone before us have had, such as Joshua and Caleb. Father, we give you all the glory. In the name of Jesus, we pray this. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. We pray you allow this message to transform you to take what you learned and share the love of Jesus to those around you. You can stay informed and connected by following Discovery Point Church on all social media platforms. Thank you and God bless you.